Let's pray. Take us into the wilderness. Walk with us and lead us out the other side. With bare feet, mud between our toes, dirt on the bottom of our feet, and the promise of Easter right before us. In your holy name, amen. Welcome to the 360th day of Lent. I know that Lent's only supposed to last 40 days, but Lent, Ash Wednesday, was February 26th, 2020, and it's not ended yet, but Easter is coming. One of the problems of every tech item we own is that they have a clock. And so because we have all of these clocks everywhere, we think we know what time it is. And since our watches and phones have GPS maps and directions to anywhere we want to go, we start to think that we know where we are. If only it was that simple. Lent is God calling us to spend 40 days in the wilderness to get some perspective. It's Him helping us figure out what time it really is and where we really are instead of letting someone or something else tell us what time it is and where we are. Since we live on an island and wildernesses are never more than a few miles from a five-star hotel, well, unless you're on Hawaii Five-O or Magnum PI or perhaps the new NCIS Hawaii, where they can always find these miles and miles of beaches without tourists or anybody on them, which I've never been able to find. Well, anyway, I decided that I was going to islandize our wilderness. So imagine on Ash Wednesday, all of us getting in a boat and getting dropped off way out in the ocean. Now, we've got enough food and water to last for 46 days, because remember, Lent is 40 days plus six Sundays. The current is perfectly timed so that we will arrive at church on Easter Sunday. The rules are simple. We all independently doggy paddle for six days, keeping our head above water. But on Sunday, we get to come together, lock arms, become a giant floaty thing, and we can rest and breathe deep without all that salt water getting in our mouth. And then on Monday, we go back to dog paddling again. So here's the question I want to ask you. If we were going through that kind of a Lent, since you could not do any of the things that currently occupy your time, since you could not go into any of the meetings that you normally go to, since you could not be any of the things that either suck the life out of you or literally identify who you really are, what would you be doing instead? What would you think about as you doggy paddled? And by the way, then when you got to get together with others on Sunday, what would you say to them? What would you ask them? What would you want them to say to you? What would you want to know and what would you want them to know? For 360 days, we've been dog paddling in the wilderness of COVID-19. But if there is anyone who doesn't need to be afraid of wildernesses, it's us. You see, we know the wilderness well. It's not our enemy, it's not our friend. But it is where we often find ourselves so God can help us find out who we are and who He is, and so He can help us get our bearings. We are in the wilderness, but we're no strangers to wilderness time. And the wilderness is where God does His thing. In fact, it's where God does His thing best, so we aren't afraid. Uncomfortable? Yeah. A little anxious? Definitely. But not afraid. You know, the prophet Isaiah was quoting God one day. It was found in the 43rd chapter of his book. And God said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and I will bring rivers or streams in the desert. 
The wilderness is best described as in-between. The wilderness is the in-between, who we are right now and who we will become. It is the in-between between where we are right now and where we will be. And that is why we're a little uncomfortable and a little anxious, because being in-between is neither here nor there. Now, once we're there, it's always easy to look back and say, eh, ain't no big thing, that was easy. And when we're here and going there, we say, ain't no big thing, it's going to be easy, because I know this is what I've been dreaming about. But when we're in between, it is a big thing. And here is why Isaiah's words are so important. God is offering us a way in the wilderness. In all the uncertainty and the in-betweenness, God says, follow me. I'll show you the way through. And while we're there, I'm going to bring a stream. I'm going to bring a river right there in the middle of the wilderness. Wait till you see what it does. So how does this work in real life? Well, if you're actually lost in Death Valley or Yellowstone or the world's largest Bass Pro Shop, you would look for things that would help you identify where you were. Which way is the sun moving? What can you hear? What can you see? What do you recognize? What resources do you have? Every time someone has to be rescued from one of the trails on this island, it is not because they're really lost. You know, our island isn't that big. You just walk downhill until you come to the ocean. If they have to be rescued and they're not injured, it's because they weren't prepared. They miscalculated and it got dark a lot sooner than they thought it would. Or it started to rain and they didn't have any rain gear. Or they got caught between where they were going and a really fast flowing stream. Or they couldn't find a cell signal to use their GPS. Or they didn't have enough food or water. Or they tried to make the journey alone and they didn't realize how hard it was really going to be. You know, being lost isn't always bad. Every time you walk into a new store or visit a new city or meet someone that you've never met before or start a new job, you are lost. You have all sorts of information, facts that you Googled. You might have even seen pictures and watched videos, but you've actually never been there before. You are going to have to figure things out, and you will. Before long, you're going to know exactly which aisle and which shelf have the cherry Pop-Tarts. Before long, you're going to know where the best iced tea or the best coffee is. You're going to know which drawer your stapler is in and what your new friend likes to eat for lunch and where the best place to go for that is. You're also going to know the best place to go to just sit and think and watch the waves roll in or the clouds float by or maybe the stream come down the mountain. And you would have never found those things if you hadn't been lost and started looking. If you're still feeling a little lost right now, I'm guessing you feel less lost than you did six or eight months ago. You discovered things about yourself that you didn't know. You figured out what to do when you don't have toilet paper or flour or sugar. You can make face masks out of literally anything. You put puzzles together. You caught up on your reading, contacted old friends, cleaned out the closet, and you woke up one morning and realized that you were a lot smarter than you thought you were. And none of that would have happened if you hadn't spent some time in the wilderness. We have a God who loves to show up in the wilderness and surprise us. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Do you know how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay, that's not what he exactly said, but he did say, Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough problems. Deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time or one bite at a time. 
When you're lost, you discover how smart you are, how adaptable you are, how amazing you are. It's uncomfortable. It's a little anxious. But when you get to the other side of the wilderness, you look back and you say, ain't no bad thing. I had it handled the, well, okay, I didn't have it handled the whole time, but God did. Throughout the Old Testament, whenever someone was surprised by God in the wilderness, they went and built an altar. It was just a bunch of rocks stacked on top of each other, but it was unique enough that when someone else came upon that stack of rocks, they knew someone had met God there. And it was important enough to stop and remember. <laughs> Do you know who I always feel sorry for? The people who find those stacks of rocks and sit down and wait for God to show up in that exact place again and do for them what he did for the person who stacked the rocks in the first place. The other people I feel sorry for are the folks who come across that stack of rocks and they are so angry at God or so unbelieving in God that they scatter the rocks as far away as they can so that nobody knows that anything happened there. So that there is not only a no stack of rocks, but there's not even a sign that rocks were ever stacked there. When we hosted up the crosses on the bell tower, the parking lot, and the school building here at church, we were inviting people to come and meet God. And what we're offering them is a community gathering. We pray and worship and fellowship, and we talk about life. God is in His Word, He's in His sacraments, and His Spirit is here. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them, God said in Matthew 18. Call on me in the day of trouble, I'll answer you. He said that in Psalm 50. I will never leave you or forsake you. He declared that in Hebrews chapter 13. But few who come here will have an experience worthy of stacking up a bunch of rocks so that everybody else will know exactly what happened here. It's not that good things don't happen. Every week, sins are forgiven, lives are renewed, questions are asked, decisions are made, prayers are answered. But the difference between what happens here and what happens in the wilderness is, out there, it's a lot more personal. When we gather here, we do so as a community. God works in our midst through word and sacrament. We begin to learn who we are and who He is and how life and eternity work. But for that to really work, we all need to spend more time with Him in the wilderness. You see, in here and with our families and friends and at work, at Home Depot and Costco, we can be whatever we want. We can pretend to be whatever we want. We can put on masks and wear the right clothing. By the way, we can especially be whoever we want to be at Walmart. But out in the wilderness, when it's just God in us, we can't hide. We can't pretend. We're stripped to our soul. And the only thing we have is God, which is always more than enough. But we have to learn that before we can take a deep breath and look around and realize the wilderness isn't nearly as scary as we thought it was. In fact, it's filled with endless possibilities. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. And I'm going to bring some rivers and streams in the wasteland. When I read that passage from Isaiah, I'm reminded it takes a while for wildernesses to change. It's called a wilderness for a reason. It's wild, it's untamed, it's unruly. But it is also unspoiled and beautiful in its own way. I mean, the reason that we need to go into the wilderness is because it's not where any of us call home. None of us are comfortable there. We have to totally rely on God. When Isaiah says God will make a stream in the wasteland, I take a deep breath, try to be patient, because I know it's going to take a while for anything to grow. 40 days, 40 years, 360 days, our whole life. And it's not like I planted a garden and put on those little sticks at the end so I'll know what's exactly going to pop up in all those neat and tidy rows I created. No, what grows in the wilderness is out of our control, beyond our ability to contain and arrange to make orderly and neat. 
What grows in the wilderness is a little wild. It's untamed. It's unruly. Which is why it is so uncomfortable and makes us a little anxious. But when the desert blossoms, it is far more beautiful and amazing than we can imagine because it's wild, untamed, and unruly. Something that's good to remember, our relationship with God, if there is any movement, it is always God moving toward us, not us moving toward God. I know we like to think that we are the ones moving toward God. Our worship, our prayers, our good deeds, we think of them as rolling the die and then moving forward the correct number of spaces until we finally get to God. But it doesn't work that way. never has. God is always coming to us. Oh, we may furnish the wine and the wafers and the water for baptism, but unless God shows up, it's just wine and wafers and water. It's not communion. It's not baptism. A wilderness is just a wilderness unless we meet God there, and then it becomes a holy place, a place where we remove our shoes so we can feel the dirt beneath our feet and the mud between our toes as the stream begins to flow through the wilderness, and God does what only God can, bring a new thing that will have a stacking rock so that everybody knows that God still meets with His people, and He still does amazing things. See, here's the truth about wildernesses. God keeps reaching down into our wildernesses and loving us back to life over and over and over again. He starts a stream flowing, and next thing you know, after 40 days or 40 years, 360 days or an entire life, God brings the most beautiful, wild, unruly, unnamed, untamed new things into our lives, and we start stacking rocks. It's not what we expected, not what we prayed for, not even what we wanted in our wildest dreams. But once it started growing, we couldn't imagine wanting anything else. So it's the 360th day of Lent, but Easter's coming. And I'm not talking about the Sunday where we get to say the word that shall not be spoken during Lent, but the real Easter, the one where we take our first step out of the wilderness, look back at the stack of rocks we left behind, and walk into the new thing that God created just for us. One of the things the wilderness teaches us is that it represents our life. It's our sin, our pain, our hurt, our loss, our inability to do what we want to do. And before we can move on to the new thing of God, we have to come to the point where we realize that God doesn't just forgive our sins. He completes us. He fills in all the valleys and the cracks and the pits and the holes in our life. And He raises us up through the cross to a new life not as perfect and lovely and well-behaved, civilized and Christianized Christians, but instead as forgiven, yet still flawed, loved, yet still struggling believers who know the wilderness well, but are no longer afraid because it's where God does His best work. Just for a moment, I want you to think about Adam and Eve and the minutes before they ate the fruit and were kicked out of the Garden of Eden forever. If they had known what was going to happen and that they were going to go ahead and eat the fruit and get kicked out anyway, do you think there was one thing, one thing that they wished that they would quickly do, one thing that they would miss more than anything else in the garden, and that they would have done it just one last time before they got kicked out into the wilderness? If you could go back 360 days, what would be the one thing that you would do before COVID-19 cast you into a wilderness where so much of your life was no longer possible, that was taken away from you? What would be the one thing that you would like to go back because it was that space, special, that, that holy, that sacred? That's the lesson of Lent, of the wilderness, of the new thing that God is doing. 
We can stand staring at the past, wishing we could go back and do what we did once more. Or we can learn our lesson and make sure we live this moment, this day, this life as the new thing that God has gifted us with. It might be a wilderness, but there is beauty if we're willing to look at it. See, there are lessons to be learned. I can almost hear the water running. It's only 35 days and five Sundays until Easter, and Lent is Lent, so we can't speed it up. But that doesn't mean you have to stay in the wilderness that long. If God is doing a new thing in your life, ignore what your watch and calendar and your old VCR, if you still got one, are saying. Ignore what your watch and calendar and VCR and computer and Alexa and Siri say. Stop looking at the GPS. Stop asking your phone for directions. Take your shoes off. Feel the dirt beneath your feet. Feel the mud between your, your, between your toes as the stream begins to flow beneath you. Look around for rocks that you can start to stack. And then get ready for that new thing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.